Hey Fates, thanks for downloading and listening to this latest episode. This is a special recap episode where we go over uh, all of the events of chapter one uh, and I get player feedback as we go. Uh, we really unveil the story and unveil what was really happening uh, the whole way from uh, point A to all the way up to episode 20 when they met Haydet, the god of knowledge. Spoiler! Uh, but I'm guessing you've already heard that by now. Uh, at the end, we also get to a Q&A section. Uh, thank you to some of our listeners who provided uh, great questions, which which uh, led to a huge conversation. Uh, this is a long, long episode. Uh, my apologies for that, but it is all good and very interesting content about the show. So stick around uh, for all of that. Um, uh, you will notice very obviously that the sound quality is uh, something... Uh, extremely different from what we've had in the past that is because Oliver aka Ban for what has actually moved to a different part of the country so we're no longer sitting around the same table anymore uh, well Jules Josh and I are uh, but Oliver is joining us via Skype and we're still trying to figure out the best way to bring him into the recording so uh, this one isn't uh, quite on par but we are getting there you can still understand him he just sounds a little bit uh, strange so um Thank you in advance for your patience with the sound quality on this one and on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this special recap of Chapter 1 of The Fate of Ison. Uh, today I am sitting with the Apple Squadith, um, whom I will introduce very shortly. <laughs> We're on webcam and Josh, who plays Trestle Spoon, just uh, gestured um, hello to you. Hello. <laughs> yeah, we can see ourselves, Josh, but yes. nobody else can see us. Okay, all right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I will. I might as well tell you all up front. Uh, our setup's a little bit different now. Uh, we, when we recorded chapter one, we were all sitting in the same room in Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, however, now I am sitting in a different room alongside Josh, aka Trestle Spoon, and Jules, aka Marley. Yep. Um, and Oliver, aka Banfor, has moved. Away yeah. from us because no. we smell to another part of the country. So he's talking to us. You all smell terrible and like you like friendship. <laughs> he's talking to us via the magic of the internet and wireless internet. Oh, sorcery! Ooh. Black magic. So with a K. So he's you know talking to you via the magic of Skype and Audacity. Thanks. Skype Audacity. <laughs> Patent pending. We are... Uh, right, so what we're going to do uh, right now is we're just going to kick things off and recap what happened in the first chapter. We're going to... Uh, I'm going to get the players' thoughts about it, and we've also got some questions from listeners to answer. So uh, let's just get into it. Sweet. All right. Okay. Um, right, so the Kingdom of Airedale had recently been handed to the Arkvale Empire on a silver platter. The people of Airedale were spared from a gruesome conquest, but there were some who would have preferred to die fighting than to simply lie down and watch their home be devoured. Uh, Killian Rett, an ex-soldier in the head in the Airedale, in Airedale, it's the um, <laughs> it's the Broadway version. <laughs> Killian Rett, an ex-soldier in the Airedale Holy Legion, was one such citizen. He founded the United Arkvale Resistance, or UAR an underground organization with the goal of taking back Airedale and destabilizing the Empire. Um, so when I introed that at the beginning, um, did you guys follow when I said, said that right at the beginning of uh, episode one? Did you feel like you were kind of like... Oh, well, you, we already knew that. In it? We, I just, I, I'm not finding out that just now. This is all information you knew. <laughs> this is the uh, basis for the entire story we've been playing. <laughs> yes. 
for me it was a little it was a little daunting knowing that Brad's sort of been working on this uh, like <laughs> sort of as a mind space mm. since he was you know a young lady um, or gentleman or whatever it is that he is um, um, and yeah so that was a little daunting and, I, and at first I was a little bit almost scared to like fuck up his vision or like fuck up his world mm. kind of a bit afraid that I'd break it are you kidding me the man yeah, carrying no. around a bag of hog shit in the big yeah. episode. So, I was worried about what, fucking at, up the world. You care about the at, a, at a certain point, I jumped in with both feet um, <laughs> and several more hands than I, I was blessed with uh, by the god yeah. uh, of chaos. But uh, that's that's to come in season two. Um, but yeah, it was definitely that for me for a little bit. Like I got it, but then I was like, ooh. I don't want to don't want to step off the DM's pathway a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And again, this is my first ever Dungeons and Dragons uh, attempt, so it was weird, but fun. Okay. Did you feel a bit more comfortable jumping in once I named a character Binky Twain? Uh, yes, that helped. Uh, I think <laughs> once Trestle Spoon said anything, um, I knew that it was going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I think the first bit where he was just being like, "Oh, we've been, you know, hanging around." <laughs> <laughs> His backstory was that he had just hung out for like sixty years or whatever. It was, and I was just like, "We're going to be all right. This is going to be fun." Yeah, my my um, ideal outcome when we started this was that I had a serious world with a serious setting, but that you guys would play in a fun way. That you guys would take like a, take take something serious that has a serious direction, has the potential to be dramatic and serious. But you also make it fun and entertaining and silly because we're fun, entertaining, silly people. Yeah, mm. sure. Mm. Yeah, I think that's why D and D lends itself to comedians in general, uh, just because there's the whole like serious world, silly shit angle that's just what comedy's built on. Mm. Yeah, no, and I and I get your point, um, Banff, about um, <laughs> not wanting to screw up the world because um, like. I also came at it from an angle of I've read some of Brad's fantasy writing before and I know mm. that he's actually very good at building a world and having all mm. the pieces kind of orgemonized. Um, orgemonized? Yeah, orgemonized. Yeah. I think um, all the storylines fuck each other. Yeah, totes. <laughs> um, and yeah, like there is a certain amount of, okay, well, I better go with the storyline because that's what's set for me. But also would mm. I like, and then you have to kind of go, well, wait, I've got a, I've got a real character. I would have real mm. opinions about this. Mm. Like, how would mm. I actually feel about it? Not just because the voice in the sky told me to do it. Mm. Well, how would they feel about it? It's that otherizing of like, actually trying to play the character rather than being like, well, I know. And I, you know, did that a couple of times as band four, just like did something that was relatively intelligent um, and had to sort of like band four my way out of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, just trying to keep that in mind. Like, would you charge? Would you say fuck it all? Would you be too afraid to go in? What is what is your character's truth? Oh. That's real fun. Okay. Talking about it like I'm fucking Scorsese, Christ. <laughs> Find your truth, man. Find your truth, man. It's me, Robert De Niro. Don't don't play the scene that's not on the page. Play the scene that's inside you. Anyway, in the sleepy town of Farhaven, uh, Killian Rett arrived in the hopes of recruiting some of the townsfolk to his cause. Only three were brave enough to stand up and join the fight. Banfor Watt, a human with considerable physical and psychological damage from a life of torture. Marley Craff, a half-elf with a gift for music and a lonely heart following her tragic separation from her family. And Trestlespoon Durr, an old but excitable gnome who has searched for his lost community for almost two centuries. 
Killian's first mission for the new recruits was to deliver an important letter to Dapton, a town in the neighbouring kingdom of Tyrannus, on the other side of the Lifeblood River. They crossed the raging river with the help of a strange rock creature named Goror before delivering the letter to Killian's contact, a merchant named Smith Corman. What were your guys' thoughts on that, on getting that first mission done, of getting over the river and like what you guys encountered there? I found it extremely... It was the first episode where I felt that improvisation was finally, was like kind of finding its feet. And I'm talking specifically about the Gora and Banffall scene. <coughs> oh, that was great. Scene. Um, I think that you were selling yourself short. Who was the postman? That was, was the, you? Was me. I was that the postman. Was the you the postman? <laughs> After you guys got it. I, that, the Banffall conversation with Gora was the, yeah, that was the first time that I really felt you guys like going out of your way to have fun inside the world. And I found mm. you really interacting with the world. I was like, oh, this I is... I spoke with a goddamn fur bird. <laughs> yeah. That was the same episode, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was only minutes before. Um, actually, no, that was... Yeah, same... We, the same uh, session, but, yeah, we, we cut it. Um, but, yeah, the, the, that forest, I guess, is where you guys really started to to play in the world, mm. which, as a DM, was so satisfying. Like, mm. oh, they're in. They're inside it now. To be fair, I think that wolf was, like, the first thing we had to fight where we didn't have an NPC with us helping us. Yeah. Mm. So it was kind of like, oh, we're on our own here. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I felt like, because the battles to begin with were like, oh, there's a, you know, wolf, I guess. And you're like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm just sort of getting a feel for how my character, like, moves and attacks and yeah. I'm finding my dice and knowing what they mean and how to do that. To greater or lesser success, um, Josh and I can uh, attest um, <laughs> at the beginning. Um, but then, when it starts getting into the world building stuff and starts, you start actually bumping into characters mm. and thinking, like, if they come back later, do like do have I interacted with them in a way that's going to harm me? And would my character give a shit? Yeah, you know? mm. yeah. The characters—they're not just passing background like in the Flintstones. Like they're mm. actually there. Yeah, because you're a devious fucker. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. So I'm just trying to be like, if I'm going to attack somebody, I'm going to make sure they're all dead. Yeah. Um, or I'm going to leave well alone. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I don't know if you've listened to the latest episodes, but Jules, uh, me, has a whole lot of knowledge about NPCs running around in the world right now, mm. <laughs> you know, that we thought eh, had probably disappeared. So, yeah, you're right. Like, there's a lot. Mm going on yeah mm. that's yeah 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 you don't listen to the episodes no though. i don't josh, josh doesn't listen to the yeah. episodes <laughs> but i i'm kind of a fan of that because uh you know he's just he's just coming in swinging away Taking and then going home he's peace got, out <laughs> swinging away and going home that's my motto he's got he's bringing nothing but trestle spoon that's right all i've yeah. got i'm just leaves it all on the table or the you know spoon. slightly smaller table yeah <laughs> Because you guys haven't played before, um, no. it's quite interesting for me. Like, I find myself wanting to be like, duh, but you can't do that. Or like, oh, why wouldn't you do this? Exactly. You know, but then I'm like, the more I've played with you guys, the more I've enjoyed watching you just screw with things. My mm. character is still annoyed because my character oh, would yeah. be, you know, yeah. mm. but I actually yeah. sit there and just and most of the time in hysterics. You know. Yeah, because it's this like weird, unlikely family that, um, you know, circumstances aside, would never hang out. Crystal Spoon would still be mucking out the toilets and having a good time doing That's it. That's right. And years, <laughs> at the bottom of a bag of something interesting, and Marley would still be chasing her dreams all over the world. So, Wow, I yeah. might have found my family by now. There's that too. Oh. 
Okay. Um, uh, merchant. Uh, yeah, Smith Corman gave the group their next mission to steal a key from a rival merchant and get access to an underground storage bunker wherein lies a cache of equipment the resistance needs. They infiltrated the bunker, fought some undead creatures, including a minotaur skeleton, and came away with said goods, as well as a very annoying talking gemstone. Jim. Ah, Jim. I love Jim. <laughs> it's a Jim, not a gem. Um, I think we've established yeah. it's Jim the Jim. It's Jim the Jim. I really liked that scene of you guys stealing the key, because it was this great um, like heist teamwork Thing where Banfor set up the distraction, Marley aided to the distraction to make it worse, <laughs> yeah. and Trestlespoon Nat 20 stealthed his way to oh. and from the that fucking was, store. That was the most beautiful thing. It was the perfect. Having to be like, I'm a postman! And like trying to steal from somebody and just like knocking shit over to be like, Yeah, to be completely invisible and scaring the shit out of Marley when he just reappears. It was the perfect little movie montage moment that you guys got done so swiftly that it was almost like it only took like seconds to happen. I was yeah. like, that, that, that was really good D&D. Like in a little yeah. tiny... Just for a moment. Just for a moment. <laughs> just for a moment. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a really good D&D. You guys did that. this well. Like, <laughs> you guys really hit your sword. Yes, right. I mean, the rest yeah, we can just get back to that. But also in a way that I didn't see coming either. <laughs> like Bamfor hey, just yeah. did it in a Bamfor way. Mm. And then mm. uh, when we saw that happen, we were like, okay, guess it's go time you know like. it's like really fun to like flow and like get into that flow state together and like really puzzle our way out of some shit it's also really fun to be bad at D, so to just kind of fuck it up and just watch brad's face as he's like <laughs> have somewhere to be right now mm. and you're like but how many apples are there in the bag <laughs> but that's, and that's just the watching adam right gets so fucking angry that actually makes it easier for me it, it was a bit tricky when we had adam on board because i knew we only had a limited amount of time we could have him sorry he's been um you know because you as a guest player you don't want to just have him sitting on on literally every session for the rest of time because mm. then he's not a guest anymore yeah. he's just a yeah. player so I wanted to make it as a special guest thing. It's a limited time. So I was like, right, he has to. T- we have to tell a certain amount of story while we've got him. So I do. I do have the big regret of during those episodes. I do feel like I railroaded you guys very heavy-handedly. Uh-huh. Whereas the rest of the time, I'm like, here is the obvious path up, path I want you to take. But fucking do it however you want. Yeah. Yeah, we like you're both the DM and essentially the like on-site producer because at the end of the day, this is a recorded podcast. It's supposed to have entertainment value, and that has some things that comes with it which is we have to put out content. And if we don't have a guest able to... Um, sorry, there's a gigantic tabby sitting, <laughs> sitting on Josh, making him look like a four-year-old. <laughs> it's kind of appropriate, to be fair. Somebody has put a seal in a fur coat. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Are um, you calling my boy fat? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that he's a... He's my familiar. <laughs> is he? Sabrina and uh, Salem. Yeah. I take it you've been watching Sabrina. <laughs> Just a weird. Yeah, don't don't worry. I I've watched it too. It's very good. Um, I noticed your Facebook status today. Yeah, I think, actually, yeah. saw your Facebook status. <laughs> Josh uses Facebook. You are an influencer and taste maker, Bradley. Oh my God, is Josh on Facebook? I'm back for a little while. Holy Josh crap. is back. Quick, everyone on the internet. Um, <laughs> just just, just unfriend most people. That's what I do. Okay. Or unfollow most people. So then well, you haven't unfriended them, but they don't come up on your like feed. You don't see when you get, um, uh, When it says it's X, Y, and Z person's birthday, 
just unfriend the ones that you wouldn't wish happy birthday to. Yeah, literally, that's what I That's do. a good model. Yeah. And then 365 days, you've cleared out all the fucking chaff. Yeah, and you've only got, like, left the 20 or so people you actually want to talk to. 20? That's a lot. <laughs> that's a busy day. Obviously, like, you oh, know, your mum, your dad. I couldn't unfollow my family. Like, oh, sure they'd can. be, like, mad at me. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, when the group returned to Smith Corman with the goods in tow, um, being carted it's by food. being carted by everyone's favourite uh, character so far, Foxworthy, Foxworthy the Hawk, um, uh, Smith was speaking with a local nobleman, Trantus Grifton. Uh, Lord Grifton needed an escort to the city of Dantonair, which just so happened to be the same place the group were to deliver their stolen goods to the resistance. Hindsight. If, Liberated. If we'd just stabbed him with a sword then. <laughs> How you much simpler would our life have been? The guard, the Dapton guards would have fucked you up. Oh, yeah, that's true. We were in the forest with him for some time. Yeah. We could have put him in the bear trap. Like, yeah. Just oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, Hindsight, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Hindsight, I also wouldn't have maybe rescued the dude. No, I would have rescued the dude from the bear trap. I'm chaotically neutral about it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 kind of good. So I would have helped, and I did. Yeah, you were so strong. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the episode it, where they used him as no, a wrench? No, that was in the, um, the uh, realm of. Oh, all right, mm. yeah, that's right. As a trestle wrench. As a trestle, <laughs> a trestle wrench. wrench. <laughs> uh. um, along your journey um, with Lord. Trantus Grifton, you came to a small village of Fort Pithlock and learned that all the young women had been kidnapped by a rowdy band of Arkvale soldiers and their leader, Adam. Um, the heroes and Trantus trekked into the swamp behind the fort where the women were being held. Uh, Trestlespoon ducked away uh, during the fight with a yeah. giant crocodile. Ah, uh, yes. Trent to investigate something <laughs> from his past. I remember it well. I yeah I dropped the ball big time during that fight. <laughs> My plan. He just he just didn't have yeah. you fighting. He was at one point he just goes on the podcast. Ah, Trestlespoon yeah. hasn't had a go. I suppose he just yeah. goes off now. Left. My plan was tra- um, Trestlespoon helps in the fight. Then while they go into the tunnel, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I realised. Whoops! I forgot to play Trestlespoon's turn these last eight rounds. <laughs> well, I guess he just left already. I just ditched them. Yeah, because that essentially <laughs> meant that you were just standing there watching as a crocodile ate me. Yeah, my little Trestlespoon arms folded. Just that away from keyboard animation from Street Fighter. Just that. Floating forever. And then every now and then, kind of like looking somewhere and doing a pose. I'm busy. Yeah. Yeah. Tapping his feet like Crash Bandicoot. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, essentially that's what Um, you were doing. Mm. So uh, Trestlespoon then trudged through the misty murky swamp and found a dilapidated cottage, dilapidated, dilapidated cottage, where an old man and his grandson were being held captive by Trestlespoon's old childhood crush, Levisius Grimmark. Mm. Yeah, I I like the voice of that kid. (laughs) (laughs) You're Robert the Mute. Yeah. (laughs) Robert the Mute, who said... yeah, that's what he said. I heard Robert screamed angrily. <laughs> I, I was surprised. I had compliments on my Baldini voice, which I like. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, because it was from everywhere and nowhere. Yes, you know. Yeah, that was. It, it was, was this kind of like semi Middle Eastern Italian Greekish yeah. melange of stuff. That it was like a proper purely, fantasy it, voice. It was purely accidental. My brain went Baldini. That sounds kind of weird. He should sound like this. Good. <laughs> I mean, it's better than Foxworthy. <laughs> <laughs> I love Foxworthy, and I will be talking to Foxworthy again. I hope not. Levisius appeared appeared to be in the service of some kind of shape-shifting imp demon, 
and attacked Trestlespoon. Uh, oh. After narrowly escaping with his life and rescuing the humans, Trestlespoon was awarded a rare wand of mass healing. Uh-huh. Uh, he then... I'll stop you there. Trestlespoon did not escape with his own life and rescue the humans. <laughs> he freed the humans. He freed them. He, he handed them some lockpicks and got knocked the fuck out. Just, yeah. in, just in time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I had listened to that episode. I was Woo. like, holy crap. The, the, yeah. the thing yes. about that is, on after the recording, Josh asked me, like, what would have happened if he hadn't like uh, if, if, the... if he had actually if he was in trouble there and I was like yeah if you hadn't actually thrown them the lockpick they couldn't have been freed you you just would have died like so good thing yeah thank god <laughs> yeah, well done you thank god yeah. saved by a lockpick yeah thieves tools came in handy it's, 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 it's just interesting though that just shows us that like our every single decision changes something mm. you know so like yeah yeah um <laughs> Meanwhile, the others fought their way uh, into the fort uh, to rescue the women, and they killed Adam, the soldier leader, in the process. Uh, when it was assumed that the women were saved, Lord Trantis did the unthinkable and took them with his... Oh, took to them. Oh! <laughs> took them. Took them with his sword. Is that like... I will begin oh that sentence again. Oh no, God. never again. Will you <laughs> no, just leave it. Just let it sit Freud there. was so right. <laughs> <laughs> took to them with his sword. The heroes tried to stop him, but he was protected by a shadow-like wall that arose from his body. When it appeared all the women had been slain, he turned to face you uh, for the inevitable battle, uh, but the shadow enveloped him, shrinking until he and it disappeared. Uh, you heard the name Groft being spoken in the air. Yeah, so, so I mean, it's, it's quite clear that, I mean, I think we've said it before, that we do two podcasts in a night, and then we break them. Oh. Um we that was the end of our second podcast so we actually we had to go home <laughs> with this having happened for and about three weeks for about three weeks and just sit on that and just like it honestly i was really upset um, like screw marley like jules was really upset I've, I've got a listener question that i i'll actually answer now uh, and then i'll get back to the recap i was going to save all the questions for later but it's to do with this um, because you just said how long you sat waiting to you know find the outcome. Yeah. Um, one uh, so uh, Wade, who's the host of the Not Quite Heroes podcast. Awesome, hi Wade. Um, hey Wade. He asked. Um, John, uh, John, Josh does a thumbs up. Josh does a thumbs up. By the way, yeah, yeah. He thumbed up. <laughs> You've been demoted to John. <laughs> uh, Wade, yeah, Wade actually asked us a bunch of questions, but one that pertains to what we were saying is. Uh, what made you decide to give the Apple Squad a chance for turning around the events of the Trantis happenings? Mm. Yeah, okay, he did not give us. It wasn't about Brad. It was about m- me and Marley being absolutely determined for the first thing that happened on that first, when we came back together after three weeks being away, is trying to save them, to see if they were, like, if at all savable. Yeah, so, so... Yeah, that call for me was, was an interesting one. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. I've, I, yeah, I, I had a little trouble with it myself because I'm sort of of the opinion of like we need to get some moral conundrums and some fuckery yeah. happening. Like, yeah. It's all fun and games, well, but there, there is death that happens, and these women were locked up for a purpose, which probably wasn't particularly savoury. Oh. So there, there's evil intent here, and for me it was like, oh, okay, so this might be a jumping off point or a cause for us to go down a certain path. Sure. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I get that, but like play play wise, he would have had like maybe six seconds to do what he did to the woman right before we actually you know what i mean like before we would have been Mm. able to break through the barrier somehow or do something Mm. anyway Mm. we wouldn't have been Mm. standing there for like 10 minutes watching him slaughter Mm. them so 15 women in all of maybe 20 30 seconds 
right. a daddy's going to do killing blows to everybody. Do you know what I mean? True. Yeah, within the mechanics of the game, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. From a story perspective, was more of my... Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it, yeah, I yeah. mean, I've, I've at the end of the written, day... I've written a novel to answer this question <laughs> because yeah. it, because during that three weeks that Jules was pondering I, I, what the fuck is going to happen next I think so pondering is a very light term for what Jules was doing I, I think I, stewing, I may have been swelling. aggressively harassing the DM uh, also <laughs> yeah uh, so so what I say to Wade and to all listeners and to all of you three as well is um uh, so there's actually a lot of factors that went into that decision uh, first and foremost is that I never actually intended for him to kill them uh, my initial plan was for the whole group to hear Groth's demand out loud, uh, which would ideally lead them into fighting Trantis to prevent him from doing it in the first place. Mm. So I wanted it to end with a battle of you three versus him and his demon together. Yeah, but like, like <clears throat> Adam, uh, Adam, the player of Trantis, just did, gave yeah, no fucks yeah. about the decision. Yeah, that, that was that was one bit. Yep. Um, but <laughs> I'll do that. No time. But yep. the, um, the episode was so crazy already i mean there were mouse puppet shows horses stomping on people's heads and marley impersonating a soldier really badly um <laughs> soldier, soldier marley, marley from and plus the recording had already gone past an hour and a half so like i knew i had to quickly just do something big to wrap up trantis's story arc um and so and the way that you guys perfectly handed this to me on a plate Trestlespoon wasn't even there. Trestlespoon was absent. Yeah. Marley left mm. the room to go talk to the warhorses, and Banfall made a point of busying himself by desecrating Adam's body. Mm. Mm, I so, think so the term is renovating. <laughs> renovating the body. In, I, so in that moment, in that little moment you guys gave me, that tiny little window, I made that snap decision for Groff to just speak straight to Trantis, because the demon would take that opportunity. The demon would be like, sure. now is your chance. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So the, yeah, so the number one reason that I allowed them to undo it is because I never actually wanted it to happen in the first place. It mm. all just happened as a surprise to me. Like You guys were as surprised as I was that yeah. it happened. I had about 10 seconds warning before you did. Um, reason number two is that I, I it, re- it would have bogged the story down so so like heavy if the woman died, narratively speaking, because like the next few episodes at least would have had to have been the group probably Marley because she's the bleeding heart yep. Planning be- being, being on the defence with the villagers we would have been stuck in that village for ages yeah. Yeah. dealing with the fallout of the fact that you guys brought someone into that fort with you who ended up killing these women yep. mm. so like we would have been not only that I would have been researching what it was yeah and... we would have been stuck in this diplomatic static standstill for a long time unless you guys right. did the whole murder hobo thing of fuck let's skip town like that's the only way we would have yeah no. exactly that's yeah the only way and we i guess that's that's like down. the dm struggle is that you both can't assume what's going to happen and have to sort of nudge the narrative pathway somewhere interesting yeah particularly yeah. when it's for an audience yeah so i mean so if it was just us sitting around we could have been quite happy talking shit with the villagers going through a whole trial trestle spoon could have been a lawyer it would have been okay. great but because yeah, i thought it might take yeah, at, le- at, at least two episodes, if not three, four, five yeah. episodes, to deal with the direct fallout of that. Mm. And mm. I thought th- dealing with that and the villagers and, and trying to make their situation better after it, that seems far less interesting than just getting on with the bigger story right. of finally getting Foxworthy to fucking Dantony. <laughs> um, right. Reason number three, I've got multiple reasons, is that I really thought it would make things more interesting for Trantis's story because um, I do intend for Trantis to be a bigger character in the scope of things. Because now he <laughs> failed. Yeah, it, it would be more interesting for him if, if he thought he got away with this big job and he thought he would get something from it, but he actually failed. Yeah. So like, would he be punished by Groft? What would happen mm. for him next? Which we've actually now dealt with in the mm-hmm. interlude episodes. Um, Which are being released 
now-ish? Uh, have, have been released yeah. already. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. I, I thought that you know him having to deal with the outcome of actually not killing the women would be far more interesting than if he had just succeeded. Right. Uh, and reason number four is that I'm a big old coward. And, I, <laughs> and, and, and Jules was messaging him quite heavily a about big, this point. A big part of me... I'm not scared of Jules. A big part of me thought <laughs> it might come across as misogynistic or just generally just really bad if I killed a bunch of specifically female characters only 13 episodes into the show. I'll tell you this right now. And specifically aged in groups. That too. Mm. Yeah, Which for me was an odd level of detail. Yeah, and we didn't yeah, know their right. races until we... But there again, we're in, a, we're in a fantasy medieval setting. Um, yeah. If we're assuming medieval things, uh, then there is a certain level of inherent social class stratification. Yeah. We see that with Lord Trantis Grifton, with the way that Marley's received, with that sort of stuff. It would make sense for them to be chattel, and we know that's true from human history. So it's not unbelievable, but I, for a listener, it would be jarring. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, as much as I don't want to like pander to, to anybody, I want to tell a good story. I want to put forth a, a you know, a, a thought out world that feels real and has consequences. At the same time, I also want the show to be inclusive and progressive and like something just didn't quite feel right about it, about that, about the way that it happened. Yeah. Because going back to reason number one, if I didn't actually want it to happen in the first place. Um, so, yeah, a lot yeah. of thought went into that decision. Um, yeah, you I agonized over it for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I have kind of been regretting it on and off every yeah. day since. Mm. But, you know, you could have just simplified that entire novel, too, because I'm the DM and I say so. That's reason number five. Right. It's just, it's just <laughs> fuck you, I'm the DM. Um, <clears throat> great, let's get back to recapping. So, that's your answer. Woo, I hope that satisfies. Cheers, Wade. <laughs> Cheers, Thanks, Wade. Mate. Well, Wade, Wade asked a bunch of other questions. We'll get back to oh, yeah, the rest I'm of the sure, questions. Oh, yeah, sure, but, yeah. Um, Good yeah, question, so Wade. While uh, this killing was going on, um, <laughs> Trandus, uh, not Trandus, Trestlespoon followed the path of destruction and chaos left in his friend's wake um, <laughs> and came upon the aftermath, or the immediate aftermath, I should say, of yeah. Trandus's betrayal. Uh, Jim, the talking gemstone, informed the group that the women still had faint heartbeats and there is a chance they can still be saved. Uh, using a combination of potions, spells, and Trestlespoon's handy-dandy wand. Mm-hmm. Did you do that on purpose? Nope. No, it was pure fluke. Pure fluke. Wonderful. I had planned for you to be given a wand. Yeah. But as soon as you got it, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> this could be very useful. Um, uh, uh, they raced against the clock and successfully saved all of the women. Uh, one of them, a young woman who the group later learned was named Irene, climbed to her feet, armed herself with Adam's mace, and took matters into her own hands. Uh, the squad battled their way out of the fort as Irene took on the crossbowmen on the ramparts. That, that was nuts. I think listeners, that was just, listeners just heard that. Cool. Um, we'll give that a minute to let it breathe. Yeah, it's oh, no, okay. I'm, not I'm glad I'm not so. sitting in the same room as him now. Uh, right. The Squadith battled their way out of the fort as Irene took on crossbowmen on the ramparts and Banfall let the angry villagers in who had assembled outside the front gate. Uh, the next morning, the heroes collected Foxworthy and continued their journey to Dantonair. When they arrived in the bustling city, a friendly Arkvale uniformed guard introduced himself as Terran and said the group needed to follow him. He led them to a secret door beside the Jester's Gravy Boat Inn before taking his leave. Inside was an obviously lived-in warehouse where they were greeted by a grouchy old goblin named Stein. Um, the morning after the Fort Pithlock stuff was some was one of my favourite scenes when you guys are just in the stodgy omelette inn, and it, <laughs> it just it's coffee 
and it, uh, Banfor had just been woken up by a cat, and <laughs> that he just pummeled into the ground. It's it turned it devolved into this weird conversation. I th- I think there was things about turning fingers into Christmas bunting and pulling them out of someone's butthole or something. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think they were for? Yeah. And. Trestlespoon was very, very vaguely recapping what had happened to him in like the, in like the weirdest way of like I caught up with an old friend, but he was different. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're kind of glossing over. Oh, like, did you change riddles. careers, or yeah. what are you talking about? Banfor responding <laughs> with like your people change, like getting really philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> Times change, people change, people move on. It's like what? Seasons change, you know. And it was such a real moment. It was just like these are friends reconnecting mm. after mm. you know after an evening it was really cool yeah and like it was and we were also just also tired because that was you know a couple of hours into recording by that point mm. and it was you know there's a certain amount of of emotional lag or or just brain power you feel like you've done an exam or at least i do yeah. which is why no, towards the end of every second episode i pretty much just start tapping out because i'm just done i'm just spent mm. you know um Shortly after you entered the warehouse, a large group of people stumbled out of a hallway and began to eye you uh, as newcomers. Uh, one of them, a half-orc woman, barged people out of the way, yelling, Oh my god, it's Marley! And she charged at Marley for a hug. Uh, Marley remembered her old childhood friend, the river that flows forever east. Eventually. A.K.A. River. <laughs> A.K.A. Awa, that we decided in a later episode. Um, they caught up briefly before the group was introduced to Zathan Cree, a total paladin and the local resistance leader in Dantanir. Uh, Zathan described the different teams or cells in the resistance and encouraged the group to come up with their own team name, and they eventually settled on the Apple Squadith, and history was made. Mm. Yeah, Squadith goals. Uh, Zathan then mentioned that they had made an amazing discovery just that morning. Uh, River took Marley off to the Jester's Gravy Boat to catch up over drinks, and Zathan led Banfor and Trestlespoon to the recently discovered underground city beneath the HQ. I really, really had hoped that you would have taken Zathan's advice to rest, explore the city. I had all these things planned of like, you could go visit apothecaries, you could go find like prostitutes, you could get drunk, you could go find a street fight, you could do so, so you're finally in a big city, you can finally be free explore without me yeah. putting the DM hammer down and you're like, I did try. and you were like, nah, let's continue. <laughs> well, we saw a shiny thing. I know you did, I, and yeah. I shouldn't have given it to you, but I had to let you know that you had a reason to come back to the HQ another time. Like, there was yeah. more story to be told. I couldn't just leave it there and you guys be like, well, job done, walk away. No. Nah. And I did, I did try and go have a fun yeah. time and drink and stuff, but honestly, like... Marley's the one I thought would have gone, story, and nah. you guys be off silly, but it was the opposite. Yeah. We, we, went, we, we went silly. <laughs> we had the long hog ride, and, you know, I was ready. I was ready to... We were bored, and also, the like, we stumbled into the story still, because... We were pretty much just doing it to do it, just kind of to annoy you a little bit. Yeah. And then and then it turned out we just sort of walked straight into the, like, a main arc of the story. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I was throwing glowing rocks for Trezor Swing to follow, and then there was, you know, a worm golem thing, and it all just sort of spiralled, you know? Yeah, it went out of control. Yeah, the, um, uh, the group wandered through the underground city, which was brightly lit by thousands of glowing white stones and appeared to be centred around a giant temple to Hadet, the god of knowledge. Uh, against Zathan's <coughs> advice, Trestlespoon and Banfor <laughs> rushed to the temple and climbed its large stone steps. Upon entering the Grand Archway entrance, they were attacked by two stone pillars, which transformed into golem-type guardians, one a bear and one a snake-slash-worm, possibly. Oh. 
Uh, meanwhile, Marley got drunk and played a song with the <laughs> famous bard Spritey McSteamface. I'm super happy about that, but I'm real sad about my role. Who happened to be playing at the end after some prompting from River and Jim, much and the DM. <laughs> Marley was alerted to the fact that her friends, who have a tendency to get into trouble, were probably getting into trouble. But mm. see, okay, so the thing is, in this point, you handed me a thing. I was getting drunk, and now I've got player knowledge and yeah. character role, mm. and I'm like, well. <coughs> I can't go off, be like, I have a feeling my friends are going to get into trouble. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't... I can't Those guys! Yes. I can't metagame in that situation. Like, to be fair, I probably still would have stayed there. I would have been like, fuck it, those guys can get themselves into their own trouble. You know, but I was like, well, they if they do this, they're probably going to end up doing a thing without me and I'm going to be annoyed. But, like, that's a little bit of metagaming, so mm. that was kind of an interesting situation for me to be stuck that, in. That's why I try to give you... Um, First river being like, oh, did did you find out about the thing? I mean, like, the originally thing? I was like, like, no, yeah, fuck it, I don't care, care. I want to give a drink out. And then, then, then I had to bring out the big guns and have Jim be like, something feels weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew you were doing that, but I was like, look, I'm going to play my character as my character would play. Yeah, I mean, it turns out in that fight, they didn't need you guys for the fight, mm -hmm. but I needed you to, yeah. to be for the next part of the yeah. story. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have met the god of knowledge and you would have still been drinking. <laughs> yeah. And we would have just fucked it all up. Yeah. As it is, right? Okay, you're going to talk about that, but yeah, no. Okay, no, as keep it going. Is. No, because I have I have a lot to say about meeting the guard of knowledge, but we're not okay. there yet. You mean this guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so keep going with your recap. I'm enjoying it. It's great. Okay, hate it. It's like being told a bedtime story. I'm really enjoying yeah. this. <laughs> so Marley and River uh, caught caught up with Zathan, Trestlespoon, and Banfor as they defeated the Stone Guardians. <clears throat> Standing outside the Grand Archway entrance to the temple, Jim announced that there was a powerful force pulling him in, filling him with an intense longing to enter. The apples... Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> sure. Ooh. <laughs> the apple squadeth entered the temple and came to a room where a riddle, a very simple riddle, was spoken <laughs> into their minds. They solved it and a door opened to a narrow corridor. They followed the corridor into a large library which was water damaged and filled with damp crumbling books mm. and a strange acidic black goo. Uh, they continued down another corridor and entered another library in a similar state. In the second library, they were attacked by three giant black blobs that dropped from the ceiling. Using a range of skills, including animal handling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, I was listening to this episode not that long ago, and that still cracks me up. And would chase down yet another corridor. <laughs> The baby, the baby mouse that he just mouse. lobs into the acid and then doesn't get rescued. Why is that so fucking funny? <laughs> it just is. Look, then... man, you take responsibility for, responsibility for a village. You're going to lose a couple. <laughs> and then Trestle <laughs> just like bounce, bounce, picks up the rat, bounce. Well, we <laughs> it just those, makes we it look. Mouse. <laughs> you mouse. made it look like the easiest <clears throat> thing in the world. Yeah. That, that baby mouse dying makes up for me fixing the tragedy in Fort Pathlog. That is our new tragedy. All oh, right, the baby mouse oh, yeah. dying. It's like Dobby dying, isn't it? It's like, Because well, <laughs> we could get um, some kind of RIP fan art. That would be pretty dope. Of the mouse cradling the other mouse. Yeah, I really like the way like, that you, to yeah, you oh, told us later on that the mother was like the mother was wearing a shawl. We were wearing a shawl and there was a stoic looking male mouse standing holding a pitchfork, I think. Oh, see, that's where Oliver scraps comes just into the fore for me. I was picturing the American Gothic painting. When you yeah, oh, yeah exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah, but with exactly. like a baby's grave. Do you know, I, <laughs> I hold a lot of the laughter in on the podcast so that when I can listen to it back, I'm in actual crying hysterics about that stuff. 
yeah. so good. As the Apple Squadeth ran from these inky black blobs, they avoided traps that the creatures then triggered behind them. Uh, first a blast of fire, then a thunderous boom, then a slamming stone slab. That's some nice alliteration I did not mean. Um, they made it to a third party in the same state of damp disrepair as the first two. And Jim announced that they were close to whatever was pulling him and urged Marley to take him down the next corridor. Upon doing so, two more inky blobs dropped from the ceiling. Uh, the group ran and discovered a fourth library, this one in perfect condition. Thousands of pristine tomes lined the walls. There was a small room in the middle of the library and Jim desperately pleaded to be let inside. Zathan, River and Banfor took up defensive positions against the oncoming inky monsters, while Marley and Trestlespoon searched for a way in. They succeeded and saw a, an altar with a gym-shaped hole in it and four large sacks. Marley dropped Jim onto the altar and there was a blinding flash of light. Uh, the Apple Squadeth saw a vision of alternate versions of themselves from the distant past carrying Jim through the then-populated city and returning him to the temple. Thousands of years passed by uh, before Jim was taken and then spent many centuries being bought and sold and attached to various things, leading up to when he was attached to a sword abandoned by a necromancer, then found by the Squadeth and returned to his resting place. What did you guys think of that huge narrative thing that I threw at I you really in that episode? I really liked it. Yeah. It feels sometimes like... Uh... Like the world's rushing around you like you really feel like you're just sort of just in a story because you're that much more insignificant when huge wheels start turning um okay. and that backtrack although it involved us in previous iterations of our lives it was so minutely long and so minutely minutely so extremely long and um and just made us that much more insignificant and like the river of time, if I'm being an asshole, the river of time <laughs> didn't involve us and we were just leafs on that stream, so to speak. Yeah, I, I suppose, yeah, you could look at it as, as being like a, a much smaller cog in the story than you realised. Um, right. But also it could mean you're also part of something more important than you realised as mm. well. Right. So like it kind of raised the stakes for the story. This isn't just about mm. resistance anymore. I mm. wanted to know if I was cooler now or then. And I couldn't decide. I felt like the then was cooler than the me now, and I got real upset about that. <laughs> In my mind, the the, the the Marley from the past, the one with the shimmering uh, red gown and the short shaved black hair. Yeah, she seems like she was. A, she's a stone cold bitch. In yeah. my in my uh, in my mind. Uh. But I mean, that's for you guys to decide, really. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Banfall was glorious. Oh yes, he was a god amongst men. Gorgeous. His golden armor and his long blonde hair. <laughs> oh, Jamie Lannister. Ooh. I know. Like, soups, Jamie. I didn't even think of that. Yes, bad for him, Jamie Lannister. Uh, Jamie oh, Lannister yeah. from Gods of Egypt, which is a very good film. Shout out to such a good film. <laughs> on their podcast. Shout out to white people playing Egyptians. Am I right? Uh, yeah. Shout out to if you want films to get made, you have to pander to the audiences that will buy the tickets to allow them to be made. Yippee! Yippee! <laughs> Hashtag whitewashing. Hashtag um, the internal economic struggle of Hollywood. Uh, the Apple Squadeth saw a vision of... I just said that part. Yep, you did. <laughs> um, they then found themselves in a strange futuristic realm with flying vessels, neon lights, and mechanical life forms. They oh, this is the trestle wrench. They this navigated your... their way through a series of hallways oh, yes. and elevators. They used a trestle wrench um, until they found themselves face-to-face with Hated, the god of knowledge and invention. I'm sorry, you missed a giant chunk where they played dominoes with the dominoes. Yeah. Man. Okay. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, it... it... They, navig- they navigated their way through a series of hallways and elevators, including a hallway filled with thousands upon thousands of robotic mannequins dressed in all manner of clothing you could possibly imagine. Which they peed on, pushed over, and Can- made arranged into sixty positions. Yeah. Uh, yes. 
Okay, I, I, I sound like I hate that episode on that episode because Marley is just so annoyed she was not with having it. it. She was not having it. But it may be one of the hardest I laughed the entire time when I was listening back. <laughs> so I, cool. yeah. I, I think the dominoes on the dominoes man yeah. is just a beautiful moment. <laughs> I, I put that scene there for two reasons. One was I just wanted to give you guys a playground. It had no, like, <clears throat> mechanics-wise, it had zero purpose other than for you guys to just fucking play so and just let loose and you project your own thoughts onto these mannequins of like, you know, like, Jules was like, I want to see one dressed as the Beatles and yeah. Josh was like, oh, I want to see one dressed as a police officer from the 1920s yes. and stuff like that. So I was like, I want to see what you guys add to this room and mm. just see what you do. It's just a straight line filled with whatever you want, basically. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the other... <laughs> that scene in The Matrix, but you make all the things touch each other's butt. <laughs> And the, the other reason for that room was that I, I kind of wanted to show um, that Hatedet, as the god of knowledge and invention, has you know has always been. Yeah. And, 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 that, and that Eisen, as in the cyclical nature of the fact that Eisen keeps getting destroyed by the surge every, every now and then, means that civilization has been ahead of what you're at mm. currently, has yeah. been that in the past. So, like, mm. things that you... Your, so it, your, it did your, throw me because futuristic I was like... Mind. That, and that's the kind of the whole reason for that realm being futuristic as well. Yeah. Is like, this is all like, what the fuck is this to you guys? But this kind right. of stuff has existed in the past. I thought you were just going to completely throw us a left hook and we were going to be in a sci-fi universe. Yeah. But and I, have to get by with that. And I was like, whoa, that I wondered is if we were wild. Gonna, yeah, I wondered if we were going to meet us. <laughs> My cat keeps falling down places. It's hilarious. Because <laughs> um, uh, I, I was like, shit, okay, we're meeting like the real world right now. They're like real world costumes, like parallel universes. Yeah. Does that mean hate it's in like, you know, like, yeah, yeah I, I was kind of curious as to how that was going to play out. Yeah, I, got, I, I kind of, yeah, wanted to use that realm to tell you guys and tell listeners, um, yeah, bas- yeah, basically that the world is kind, time is kind of cyclical here because it keeps getting destroyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like it. Anyway, move on. Um, yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then they found themselves face-to-face with Hadex, the god of knowledge and invention. He greeted them and offered to answer any questions they have about the world. He laid a lot of information in front of them and provided some magical items that might help them achieve their goals, whatever those may be. They left Hadex's realm and found themselves back in the library exactly where they were before. Okay, so... Yeah. So, listening back to this podcast made me real angry with myself. Because I was like, we asked so many dumb questions and no, like, good ones. Like, and it wasn't until... It wasn't until right at the end that we remembered to ask about, like, Trentus. Like, yeah. It is true. But then, like, the the question is, if you actually met God, like, you, you, if you got to ask any question and have it answered, I'm pretty sure you'd be like... Is the, uh, is the double down coming back? You know, like, yeah, that's true. Like the, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you yeah. don't even have the faculty to make the question. Yeah. Let alone understand the answer. So. But, yeah. Okay, but he says a line like DM slash hate it says a line right when we walk into the room about um, what did you want to know about something about dragons? Oh, I guess you don't know anything about dragons. Oh, I was like, <laughs> Ben Four asked, um, how long does it take to boil an egg? And hate it said. Um, it depends on the temperature of the water and the size of the egg. Is it a dragon egg? Wait, you don't know what dragons are. <laughs> and so, 
We just didn't clock that information whatsoever. Listening back to the podcast, I'm screaming at myself. Dragons! Why did you not ask? We were talking about eggs. We were talking about eggs. I mean, there were other things going on. Yeah. You had no reason to think that a dragon was an important thing, though. No, I know. Yeah. So when I messaged you about this, you might have been curious, but just in the way you might have asked. What's a dragon? What is that? I don't know. Instead of being like, wait, tell us about dragon. Like you wouldn't know that they're important. Yeah, true. That. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, I, I am kicking myself a little bit because Marley is walking around still in the world with no knowledge of what a dragon is, yeah. and we had the god of knowledge, and I, I can't unme- I can't undo that. Like to undo well, that. There is a you can get a little window and poke your head through and be like, hey, dead. Yeah. Uh, no, no, but, but why would why would Marley remember? No, exactly. It? Yeah. You know, like in character, mm. it's a throwaway comment that we learn. A and hell of unless, a lot after. Unless triggered by something in the real world. Which exactly. Is to, oh, which is Maddie. up to, of course, yeah, yeah. the DM. But yeah, mm. so I was like kicking myself about that. Um, we didn't, I feel like we didn't ask enough about the surge and the wielder's search and all of I, that I, that I, was going on. I did had to ask you guys a few times, do you want to know more about the search? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not really. We Back were, to eggs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I was real fascinated by Bad Four just like throwing like shit off into the, the empty nothingness and stuff. Yeah. And I just forgot. To I, I love that both Banfor and Tristle Spoon tried to attack the God of Knowledge. Tried to kill him. Our thought process seems to be like chase the thing, find the thing, yeah. get the thing, try yeah. to eat the thing. Can I have sex with the thing? What's going? Like we're processing I, on the same level yeah. as Mammoth. Hey, it's a pretty chill dude. He probably would have let you have sex with him. <laughs> See now, look. Just as Jules has had missed an opportunity, I am kicking myself. <laughs> But yeah, like I, I feel like now, and I think Marley will too, because Marley will go back to the real world and process what she's learned. And she will kick herself for not asking a whole lot of questions about the real world. I asked about what sex box worthy identifies with, but I forgot to ask about anything to do with what happened to my family or uh, like, you know, anything. It's like you when you were like right at the end. Oh yeah. What did happen to the gnomes? <laughs> you know, like, my family. The thing you've wanted to know for 200 years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, we did not handle meaning the God of Knowledge well. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree with uh, Oliver though, and that that whole episode was so overwhelming. It was a struggle mm. to keep tabs on what Trestlespoon would be doing as a character because mm. I'd half a mind that he would just crawl up on the floor and start sucking his thumb, you know, because it's yeah. Ooh, big balls. Yeah, so I think <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I think you're right that we wouldn't ask the right questions because we we'd just only passed get a through few... like Blade Runner universe. And yeah. we're in the middle of a thing, and uh, and then God is like, "Hey, do you want to know anything?" Yeah. Obviously, boiling eggs not particularly useful in any circumstance. Yeah, <laughs> but your brain would be so yeah. shattered already yeah. that you know how would you ever come up with something coherent? Yeah, mm. yeah. Although the gifts were pretty cool, they were very cool. Yeah, I I do feel I undergifted Marley slightly, um, so I've actually added something to your ring of personality. Um, now, on top of giving you a plus two to your charisma score, it also gives you advantage on all saving throw charisma saving throws. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah, so there you go. Sweet. Did you update my D&D Beyond? Yes, I did. <laughs> because I gave Trissel Spoon the ability to fucking walk on walls and ceilings. Bam. <laughs> yeah. A score. With... spoon. Yeah. <laughs> I gave Banfor a shield, that, a plus two shield he doesn't have to hold. <laughs> And a axe with a sword on the end of yeah, it, which I'm going to try to use without killing charming. myself. Yeah, yeah, you made me a bit more charming, no? And you gave me the crossbow, the hand yeah. crossbow that auto loads. Because I can dual wield now, so I can dual wield 
both my crossbows. Mm. One auto loads, the other one doesn't. But that's fine. <laughs> like, I can be like, boom, and like fire both at the same time. A, a cool little bonus, like thinking outside the square of the um, of that auto loading crossbows, because it's the one, it's got one bolt that fires mm. and then dissipates and appears back in position. Mm. Is the that same you, bolt. you could use that if there's ever a situation where you need to kill someone and then not be left evidence. Yeah. Or trip a switch or like whatever. Yeah. Mm. And then I would just mm. become super charming and be like, "What me? <laughs> Never." You, I looked at your sheet today. You've actually got plus eleven in like a few. Yeah. In like three <laughs> different abilities, it's fucking insane. What? Yeah. Because of she, because um, she's a bard. Uh, bards my, have something called jack of all trades, which means she can add half proficiency to everything. Yeah. Plus she gets extra things where she gets full proficiency. So I'm. I'm plus, her, plus her mad charisma on top of that. Yeah, I'm super good at deception. Like I can lie my ass off. And I am super good at persuasion. Both of them are plus 11. So if we need to persuade somebody to do something, like, it's basically it. yeah. going to be me. Stealth. I've got stealth. My, plus nine. my performance and my oh, intimidation is good. plus 8. So, mm-hmm. like, I can intimidate pretty well and I can perform pretty well too. But you've got something, now that you've leveled up to 5, um, uh, Josh, you've got uh, Uncanny Dodge, mm. which is dope as fuck. Basically, oh, yeah, I love you it. halve the damage mm-hmm. from any attack that you saw coming. Yeah. So you just have to see it coming, and you'd be like, I uncanny dodge. And it just sounds... I uncanny dodge. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, whoop. So you essentially... Like Spider-Man. It's, you've essentially doubled your... Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man. It's so, it's so good, because I play, a, I play a, um, a rogue in another game, and I like I, I have bugger all hit points, but I never seem to get hit. Because I also have a cloak of invisibility, which oh, I'm just wow. like, whoop. <laughs> It's so good. That's mega. Yeah. Okay. But you can walk on freaking ceiling. <laughs> so you walls. can literally like just go up. I'm real excited about one of my other characters too because it's just got fly and it deals fire damage. So I'm now like literally flying around shooting fireballs at what people, which is insane. Um, okay. Let's get to some questions from listeners. Um, Heck yeah. Robert Baldino, whom we know quite well. Baldini! We love Robert. What's up, Baldini? We know him as Baldini, the NPC. And his grandson, Robert. Um, and also because we've played in a game with him once and we keep meaning to play with you again, yeah, Robert. Sorry, we Robert. Swear. We're trying we're to get swear. a Saturday morning where I'm not out doing things with my kids. We're real keen to continue that campaign. No, I'm um, not hungover and dead. Robert has one uh, simple question for you guys. Uh, not for me. He says, I'm wondering if any of your characters are considering becoming religious. Not necessarily multi-classing as clerics, just being devout. Um, Bamfor has a sort of sub-routine in his mind that belongs to the um, God of Chaos. Um, so he has got a bent there, oh. but I think the word keyword considered yeah. means no. I don't. I don't think Banfor considers anything. Yeah, you're a nihilist, aren't you? Yeah, just sort of chaotic neutral, man. Plus, um, <laughs> I'm just here for the shits and gore. Uh, plus, Hadet told you that um, you've kind of been laid claim to by both the god of chaos and the god of death. Yeah. Mm. So um, whether or not uh, the fo- like I end up following those is going to be entirely situational um, because Banfor is just running downhill. You know, there's no way to stop. His life, yeah, is just is just bumping into shit. Yeah. And now that you've got your axe sword and your multi attack and your animated shield, you can bump into some pretty hefty shit. Hell yeah! Or I can put trestle spoon dur on the shield yeah. and have a trestle drone. Oh my good lord! 
and we can just fling you around like the tiny silver surfer that you should be. Yippee! Uncanny. Yippee! Wah! Woo! Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of interesting, eh? Because, like, Molly's obviously now met <laughs> Aidit, <laughs> you know? And we'll be thinking about that. Just being like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah that's a real Every thing. Every now and then you're like, oh, fuck, I'm a pawn in some celestial game. Yeah, no. but, but like, thought that Haydet was pretty cool. So may yeah. now throw him a few, like, praise Haydets. Um, his, by the way, I, I know I've been, like, praise be to Brun, um, the whole way through, because I just have been. Just because you've been going along with it. Yeah, literally, though. But he's, he's the god of, like, law and rules and stuff. She, and yeah, she's the she. god of order. Yeah, yeah so, so being pretty lawful good... Molly has always been like, praise be to Brun. Yeah, like, Brunish. Yeah, a little bit Brunish. But <laughs> it not... feels like that's the God that you'd be taught to praise by your parents. Yeah. You know? Like, that's the safe God. Yeah. That's the God of the status quo. Well, Molly's was... from a semi affluent background and yeah. a presumably conservative background. But I like to think that Molly throws, like, um, I know we haven't had a lot to do with the gods and stuff, but I've done some extra research because I'm a nerd. Um, I like to think that Molly throws some prayers to, like, Freyland. Because obviously Molly's dream is to be like the best performer in the world. So every time she's like about to perform and stuff, she's like praying to Freylin that she's going to be good and this is going to be the day that she's going to re- like realize her dreams and stuff. You know, yeah, like yeah. that kind of thing. If uh, if any listeners want to learn more about the gods of Ison, um, all the info is up available on the wiki, uh, which you can find a link to via our website, betabison dot com. Yeah. Open editing as well? Yes, yes open, it is, open yeah. editable. So if there's Feel anything... free to add shit, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I guess there is so many... There's, there's, I feel like it's an environment... I don't know if this is actually what you designed Ison to be, but I feel like it's quite an environment where you can kind of pick and choose your god a little bit in different situations. Yeah. So you're like, praise be to this god in this situation, praise be to this god in this yeah, situation. I, I, it's I, not I, like I, a... I made it so most people, so the vast majority of people in the world are... Um, uh, the word oh, I came up with the right word for it yesterday. Um, they be, they, the they believe in the entire pantheon. Like I mean, pantheon, yeah, everyone, uh, everyone, everyone, everyone's pantheites. Yeah. yeah, like most people are pantheites in that they all believe in all the eleven gods, but they all oh, they don't they don't necessarily res- like worship each of them, but they they pay each of them due and they pay each of them respect. Even yeah. like they'll during a, a you know yeah. like, like a harvest or something they'll they'll pray to uh, Grim the god of essentially like loneliness and pestilence and stuff mm. to to like please leave my crops the fuck alone sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. I um, imagine there's some like Sorghumal references at yeah. a funeral where mm. you know like S- that kind of stuff. S- S- Sorghumal not to not to poo poo your world but kind of Game of Thronesy uh, where it's a it's, it's a pantheon that is. Um, situationally specific you know and the whole mother protects um that sort of thing like you you know father son uh, holy spirit uh, praying to the virgin mary for this and yeah, different saints yeah. for these different things well, they have the yeah. seven, it's not exclusive yeah. they have the seven but you do have your papers, it's the 711 if you put them together it's, um, ah. it's convenient <laughs> um yeah I, yeah I, I guess i do associate them too very much like a, a greek kind of a scenario mm. but then um, you have then you have kingdoms like airedale which is devoutly broom yeah mm. Um, but in fact, Edel is the only kingdom that is like, there's one god here, so fuck off if you're not. <laughs> um, cool. So, yeah, so I don't know if we really answered your question as such, or yeah. we just told you a bunch about the gods. Yeah. Just spoon <laughs> Um I think Trestle Spoon could join a cult. 
I reckon Tristan would walk into a cult and be like, this seems fun. <laughs> this is believable. Ooh, trippery. <laughs> yeah. I'd really like you to join the cult of Zinth. The What's god of lies, it? deception, and betrayal. Well, oh, you, you are a rogue. For me. You are a rogue. Yeah, yeah. but, you know. And the worst liar in the world. Deception is hell, you yeah. know. Yeah. I'm a postman. <laughs> or am I? Yeah, but I, I, feel like, I feel like definitely having met, hate it. Like, Marley's going to be a little bit conscious of that. She's going to be like looking at a book and be like, eh, hate it. Um, look at me, I'm learning. And through your dimension locker that he gave you, you've kind of got a direct line to him as well. Yeah, we discovered yeah. we can yell into it and he can open up the door and the yell comes out. And oh, he's yeah. also just confirmed for us that all the gods do exist and are watching. I mean, Banfor is okay. now as aware as he can be that there are two gods watching his every move and pretty keen to claim him. So. Yeah. No, well, there's three now, because yeah, so, you know that there's two fighting over you. So, I mean, that changes the story and the weight of the story in a huge way. Mm. We also learned that there's definitely a god, Fraylin, whose heart is being carried by somebody else. Even though, in the podcast, we just gloss the shit over that too. Like, that knowledge gets dropped on us, and we're like, meh. Uh, move on to more talk about, essentially, boiling eggs and that kind of thing. Um... But it's, I, I it's listen- look, the people want to know. Yeah, yeah, but I listened back to that, and I'm like, he just dropped a bombshell about another god heart, and I'm like, so wait, that's a god heart, uh, he, and did he, we know that? He told and- you about yet another god heart, the death heart. Yeah, the death heart. Which is in the possession of the fire gnome, other fire giants that are holding the gnomes captive. Yes, mm. we knew that too. Yeah, yeah, under a mountain, so he told you that. Yeah, so we know a lot of that kind of thing, but none of us thought to ask about, like, god hearts, really. Like and what that's about. I think we did ask something about if they all are, if they all are returned, what can happen? You're yeah. like, they can talk to each yeah, other, and I'm the, like, is the this? Gods, yeah, the gods will have like the the greatest um, amount of influence that they could have, that they could possibly have, and they could potentially commune with each other and take direct action in the mortal realm. Yeah, and we all just went, mm, that doesn't sound like a good thing. <laughs> Like, which was a really interesting turn. We were just like, mm, do we want the gods Maybe to have power? Do <laughs> I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. The um, the Blind Rat from the Wheel or Woe podcast, I think his real name's James. <laughs> blind Rat, hit me up if your real name's not James. Sup, <laughs> um, Wheel or Woe? Um, he asks, how did the group come together and how long have you known each other? Um, I think... I may I and Brad were uh, well. I started this little podcast network thing with this pie in the sky idea of uh, becoming some sort of millionaire while doing no work, uh, which has been my dream uh, for right my entire right. life yeah. and now. Um, and Brad had exited comedy a little while ago and perhaps wasn't as creatively fulfilled as he has previously been. <laughs> Um, and we spoke about doing a Dungeons and Dragons podcast after he was kind enough to let me read some of his stuff and read some of my stuff, and then we started filling it out. Um, yeah. We all met in the Wellington stand-up comedy scene. Although, interestingly um, enough, before the podcast, despite having been in the scene together, I had never met Josh. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know that. The first time I ever met Josh was sitting down for our first playtest, the... Um, uh, session which is on our uh, Patreon. Oh, yeah, you that's know what? It, crazy. It yeah. really surprised me that you were there. I didn't know that you were going to be involved in the podcast. Yeah, I no, didn't know. Yeah. Like no, I knew. Not at all. <laughs> I knew. I knew. He got invited script. over for tea. Yeah, yeah. I knew Oliver Scripps yeah. was going to be there. I knew Brad was going to be there. Brad obviously knew that I was a D and D player from yeah. before, so I've been playing mm. for a long time. And Brad and I mm. have known each other for what, like four years or something, through the comedy scene, something, something like that. 
So we're going to... Over Tennessee to just sort of corral random dickheads together. Yeah. And see what happens. When I sat down, I was stoked. I was stoked to see Josh there because Josh is one of my favourite new comedians in the Wellington scene. And I was just like... (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass or something. But, you know, like, I was just like, oh, this is going to be great fun. Mm. You know, because, like, fresh voice. I know Oliver Scripps' style and he's, like, sarky (laughs) and cutting wit and like really I really enjoy that too and I know that Brad is like this massive fantasy world builder and I was just like shit I have got myself into a good place no idea how I got here but I am fucking stoked about it you know what I mean yeah we just sort of fell into each other so to speak um yeah so probably have known of Brad and Jules for the longest but have known Josh for the longest we were at VK's, which was a now closed comedy club in Wellington together. Yeah. Sort of cut our teeth at the same time. Yeah. Um, we're gigging a lot in the same rooms and stuff and talking shit in the backstages. Uh, and Jules and Brad were more seasoned comics. Um, Jules running shows, Brad yeah. doing fringe stuff. Um, and yeah, so just sort of, Brad and I just sort of talk shit a lot, I guess, um, or just sort of spar a bit and then just have really open and honest, friendly conversations on Facebook and then just quite jabby, barby conversations in person. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's just sort of happened, man. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's one of the best creative choices I've ever made. I'm enjoying mm. myself hugely. So Yeah. We, we almost had a, a fourth player. Um, we did. did. And uh, it, I'm glad we didn't. Who was that? Uh, I won't say on mic. Yeah, let's not say but on it was, mic. But uh, it was an up and down. Say their initials. Uh, AR and she. Yeah. Um, I would have been stoked to have another female around. It would have been. It would have been really cool to have another female voice on the show, but she was like, "I'm so interested. I'm so in. I'm so in." And then apparently, was, apparently, was saying to <laughs> was saying to Jules, you know, about how scared she in, was in person about, about how she wasn't so in. So no, in, no, so she in. was just she was just <laughs> she was just really nervous and really scared and didn't know what she was going to do and just really didn't feel like she wanted to commit to something that she didn't you know, know how it was going to go. And I, I, I actually understand that from some, like coming from not having played D&D before to having to play D&D live on a podcast, it feels like a lot of pressure. It's actually not, you no, know, like, not. yeah, but you put a lot of that yeah. pressure on yourself. So yeah. I get it. Um, start playing. If I can say anything, just start. Like, yeah, if you want to do a podcast, just start doing it. And the first little bit's going to be pretty shit until you find your rhythm. You're going to burn six episodes before you actually find out if you've got something that you actually enjoy saying. Oh. But then... Yeah, we got really after lucky. The first, yeah, yeah, after the first five, ten minutes, you'll know if you like doing it. And if you like doing it, just keep fucking doing it. Because okay. that's the point of everything, is just enjoy yourself. And this is enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, I play, so, I play three D&D games right now, simultaneously. And to be honest, I'd be stoked to pick up more. I just can't. I can't pick up more. But I, I am so tempted to all the time, because there's always people asking for players and stuff, and I would like, oh, I would love to do that. But um, yeah, just if you're thinking about starting a D&D, anything, even if it's just a casual game between your mates once a six months, do it. Give it a go. Okay. Yeah, you can you can make it happen. Um, I was watching Lockup a while ago, and I think I've told you guys this, but there's um, this game in, I think, San Quentin County Jail, um, this D&D game that's been alive for, like, 16 years of people coming in and going out of this particular prison. And they when they get rearrested and recharged, they come back in with their characters and re-enter the world. Um, and they sort of have all this catching up to do. And, you know, people write in letters from outside, like, hey, what's happening in the campaign? And it's just this thing that... You can just have a fucking fun story. It's like a two-hour-long, four-hour-long inside joke with your friends. Yeah, literally. It's just 
yeah. That's what I feel like this is. I look forward to it so much because I look forward to all of the jokes that are going to happen and I look forward to seeing what you guys are going to say. And yeah, it's, it's good times. Did we answer the question? We did. Yes, we go yes, wildly did. off track. Yes, you, you definitely did answer the question. Um, and now we've got a little bit more from uh, Wade from Not Quite Heroes podcast. What's up, Wade? Um, Wade, Wade, Wade. He says, uh, he says, how far is the story written out and when it comes to progression through the main storyline? Now, you would only know that, uh, Yeah, that's obviously a question for me, the DM. Um, to be honest, I the there is a huge, grander story of the world that's going to happen no matter what. Um, but how it happens comes down to what these three idiots do and the people in my other campaigns because I, I, yeah. I actually play three I have three regular campaigns four if you include the the little every now and then uh, solo one I, I play uh, at home with my wife is <laughs> we'll leave alone and make no comments I have so about many questions about, about that but, um, it's, it's Dungeons and Dragons perfect. game yeah. I'm, I'm very, no I, I have so many questions about that because I'm really excited because you're supposed to be bringing your wife into an yeah, other I will, game I will when you get to a point where it makes sense okay go um, uh, but so yeah I actually have four stories that are all happening at the, roughly at the same time as each other within Ison. Um so the world is just ticking by um, mm. so it's all kind of writing itself to an extent, um, but then beat by beat as to like, okay, so they've decided they're heading towards A, what's going to happen when they get to A? I generally write that in the days leading up to a session, mm. in the specifics of what I think is going to happen. And of course, they always throw fucking another option out at me, then I'm like, oh, that's the one thing I didn't write about. But that's every DM's complaint in the entire world, yeah. um, is that I planned A, B, C, D, and E, and they went for F. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to Halloween special to find out that Jules realizes this herself. Um, uh, he also asks why the futuristic realm for the God of Knowledge. I think we we've, we've covered that. Yeah, we've covered that. Yeah. Um, have you had thoughts of adding another player to the team on a permanent or semi-permanent basis, or do you feel that would offset the vibe? Uh, we've kind of just discussed that as well um, about how we're glad that we ended up with the three of us and not the four of us. Um, yeah, but, I think that like Adam Wright has yeah. proven that a guest spot is really enlightening because that was so much fun yeah. just having the diff- the change to the vibe in the room and having somebody that we know and trust yeah, yeah. yeah. having him on a semi-permanent <laughs> basis because I, I, I do want Trantis to be in and out of the story quite a lot mm-hmm. um, I think that's really good adding a fourth cast member it really would come down to yeah, a lot of it would just be finding A, the right person and B, the right reason for there to be another character yeah mm. like someone perhaps river um enters a relationship with one of the main cast what do you do do you make it long distance like go off in different directions <laughs> or does that person now join the party yeah. i'm not going to have an npc with the party forever oh <laughs> not like drunks and dragons where they drag around npcs no, and I the dm has to have conversations with himself i, I love it if it's determined that there's a character who's going to be around for a long time we are casting someone because i'm not going <laughs> to npc someone forever okay fair but also, I feel like, you know, like, we've got such a cool vibe that I really enjoy what we do and what we come up with and stuff. And because we're all comedians, we all love the limelight. You add another fourth person into oh. that. It's going to be like, do we ever get to talk? <laughs> the story of Josh's life. Tis true. Tis true. <laughs> I know. You say nothing. Oliver and I just, like, hog the limelight. Mm. An introvert and an extrovert game. When I, when I need the stuff. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Yeah, that's true. But by the way, you, the stuff that you come out with is usually my favorite. Okay, that's mm. good. Yeah. Don't say anything, and then do. And then, like, <laughs> it's quality, not quantity. I'm sorry, but right. the postman episode is going to be my the, favorite for that, my entire life. That postman moment is one of the best moments of the podcast. If we could just snip oh, yeah. that and use that as an ad for our podcast, we probably should. Uh, yeah, mm. I actually have considered making an episode zero, um, 
that's a trailer of a few select moments and that would definitely be one of them yeah Go on. oh yeah for sure yeah that's um, great okay and the last question from wade and the last question outright is um what's it like in the future brackets time zone joke which is a very common thing uh with all the podcasts i talk to on twitter most of whom are in the uk or all right. the states yeah, yeah, yeah everything comes down to them being like you should listen to fate of ison because they're in the future <laughs> Um, no they one, are in the future. No one can see me go By the way, I checked some of our listener stats, and most of our listens are from New Zealand, but like a huge chunk are from not just America, but specifically Seattle. <laughs> Sup, Seattle? <laughs> it's where the nerds and hippies are. Nerds, hipsters, and hippies. Hi, Seattle. What's, what's in Seattle? Seattle? What's uh, there? Starbucks. No, well, I know that, but like, it's what's the tourist I'm such a New Zealander, I don't really know anything about. Like, what's the tourist thing for visiting Seattle? Like, the I only thing I know about... Put on some plaid and just sort of sit. Right. <laughs> the only thing I know about, about like, the rest Chicago of the is that yeah. they have a musical named after them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> and they have gangsters. Don't they have gangsters in Chicago? Oh, doesn't Seattle have, uh, that, like, that big tower thing that's like a radio station? Seattle is in Washington State. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Chicago is quite fun. So, anyway... Uh, thank, thank you have got a tower uh-huh. thank you Wade for your questions uh, I'm sorry it devolved into us discussing what is and isn't in Seattle <laughs> also just in case you didn't know we know because we're in the future that Trump is the president did you know that we're in the future <laughs> I wasn't going to cut anything from this but now I <laughs> That was just... No, I am, because I don't get uh, why that was meant to be funny. Like, where the intention was. I'm just like, how far the, in the future are we? <laughs> it, was the, it was the inflection of a joke. You know? There was, like, there was like a premise and then a bit where you were like... Yeah. Da, 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 da. Well, I don't want to yeah. li- lie and be like, like, there's going to be a giant earthquake. Because they might freak out, you know? Like, I mean, they're not that stupid. They wouldn't Trust me, a giant earthquake is not worse than Trump being president. That's true. Which um, is quite the earthquake. Have you seen that, boys? But... <laughs> There's a cloaker. Because um, he's a reptilian. Some annou- uh, we're going to wrap up very shortly, um, uh-huh. the recap. Uh, but I have some questions for you guys uh, that are from me to you. Uh, what are your just very brief thoughts uh, on the story so far? Things you've liked so far, things you haven't liked so far, uh, in a very generalised way. Who's going first? Josh. Trestle's been Trestle's been one of my favourite moments. Spider-Spoon. What are things you liked? What are things you didn't like overall? Like, About the campaign. Uh, I like the improvisation the most. Um, I like the quiet character moments and the conversations we have with each other. Um, I also think Brad's world building uh, has not been uh, complimented. Um, I think his thing has not been very good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think the stuff you've, you've come up with um, has put all the characters in extremely interesting situations and you're a very imaginative uh writer and you're holding the podcast together and we you know we are the icing on top of your massive foundation of cake uh <laughs> so thanks for that but the um, icing's the and just to like. the listeners right, in general yeah. uh josh does mean what he's saying that's just the new zealand accent that's just the... <laughs> it, yeah. it sounds like he's been that, very so insincere it's brutally <laughs> sarcastic but that's yeah. just me no that's yeah. just how, that's just how we talk this to each other this is going so well it's <laughs> like wow he loves it <laughs> settle down Josh Christ. sorry, sorry I'm, um, I'm getting emotional are there, anything, are there any things that you wish you had uh, had been done differently or that you wish you had done di- differently no it's hard to judge because I'm learning as I go because I didn't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons when I came into this um, when Ollie asked me to do an episode I thought 
Oh, it'll just be like a, a, a week or two, uh, and I didn't know that that we'd be doing this for uh, for, for so long. <laughs> Sorry, in, in the best possible way. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm just picking it up as I go along, and I think I'm getting better. So to say, the stuff I've missed, I've missed a ton of stuff. I don't really know what I'm doing, but that's all right, uh, and that's what Trestlespoon would also do because he's an idiot like me. Fair. <laughs> um. Oliver, uh, what are some of your thoughts and things you liked, didn't like? What are some things you would have done differently or wish had been done differently? Uh, I wish, like, I wish that I was better at it earlier. Like, there's definitely, a, like, the first four or five episodes, I feel like I'm not pulling my weight narratively. Um, because I sort of built this whole character and wrote this whole thing, and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be like a, like, a, like a journey inside myself via a character and stuff. But... Um, Instead, I was sort of just fluffing with dice and like doing like my own vocal habits that annoy me and other people, talking over people, talking too loud, that sort of stuff. Um, so from a technical aspect, I just really wish that I had been better. But, I mean, again, what Josh said, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing when I first walked into this. My first game was the same time as Josh's first game. The only benefit I had was a sort of uh, Rain Man-esque listening to Dungeons and Dragons podcast. So sort of understanding the flow and that sort of stuff um as far as like the world goes goes without saying we're what six months into this podcast are we um about four months yeah four months bad at time four months into this podcast uh i infrequently do things that i don't enjoy and this is always a highlight um it's just fun it's just great mm. great fun and it actually feels like it's a workout for the brain you know like you could spend four hours watching bullshit on Netflix or whatever, and that's fine. But if you want to do some theatre of the mind, this is the best way to do it, I think. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Aside from like playing Warhammer or something, this is one of the best ways to get around a table with people and just talk shit for a long time. Um, things that I want to see or could be done better. Um, sense of scale. Like, it seems like we're the driving force in our campaign, which is absolutely fine. But like, what happens if like? there's a siege and we're just there or like if there's a battle and that happens like how does all that work and like yeah it's just it, it's it's more of like a less of a criticism more of like a excitement to like see these different things that can and will happen um and so that's that's awesome so anything that i'm like oh we haven't done this yet i'm just excited because it might pop up and even if it doesn't it's like okay that didn't happen can't get mad about shit that didn't happen yeah that's my two cents. Fifty. <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face. Such good audio. <laughs> um, same questions for Jules. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, listening back to the podcast, I wish I hadn't been quite so like, this is where you can find it on your sheet. Because um, <laughs> it annoys me when I'm listening to it. But <laughs> it's because I was conscious I was working with two people who had never really played before. <laughs> and um, I knew how it worked. So I wanted to be helpful, but actually it just kind of annoys me when I'm listening. Um, uh, I wish I had time to eat before the podcast. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> because my the eating annoys me too <laughs> when I listen back. Trust me, guys. I know. Also, uh, for your information, because people ask me all the time for some strange reason what I'm eating, it's usually KFC. Uh, because KFC was on the way to the place that we were recording. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Notes for you. Also, if it's not KFC, it's chocolate because I live mm. on sugar. Uh, things, things, other things. Um, I haven't ever played a bard before, and the whole reason I played a bard 
for this podcast is because I had never played one before and I kind of wanted to be on ish the same level as you guys. So I wasn't like bored by my character and I was still learning and I was still figuring things out alongside the, the, the you guys as well. But um, that does mean I've missed a few crucial um, things to do with bards because I just didn't know how to play them properly. Um, and um, I've definitely, having listened to podcasts as well, lost, I listen to lots of D&D podcasts, um, I definitely am feeling very inferior in the bard status right now. So um, they they seriously bring out ukuleles and play like full on songs in some of the podcasts. And I'm like, oh my God, I am shit at being a bard. So um, expect me to get better at that because that's something I'm going to be working on is like bringing some pre-made stuff to the podcast that might fit a situation. So how exciting is that? Um, things that I'd like to see. Um... I guess I have a I have a vision in my head of who Marley is and what Marley would do in most situations and what Marley's hoping for her future, um, but I get kind of excited when that gets screwed with, because that's real life. Um, you know, like real life does not hand you your vision on a platter, um, and it doesn't always pan out like you think it's going to. So, um, it's kind of fun for me to see what happens and and like the fact that she's picked up. Bam for who is not a person she would normally have hung out with, but because she's by herself and she's kind of sad and a bit screwed up about the things that have happened to her, she's clinging to these people at the same time. Mm. So um, it's not what I imagined Marley as being, but it, I love that it is what's happening to her. So mm. I kind of, as to what I want to see for the future, I, I guess I want more situations that I don't actually already have planned out in my head. Yeah. Does that sound, it kind of sounds dumb, but I want to be surprised. I want to be like, crap, what would Marley do in this situation given to her with her two new friends that are not the friends that she would have chosen if she was still like living the high life, being a bard for the rich people. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it, it is very different what she's doing right now and she's still fumbling her way through it. So that's exciting for me right. um, yeah final question for all of you uh, just as a round table um, what do you guys think is the next step for the apple squadeth same order or backwards just however what do you think is going to happen next because I, I don't know about you guys, but having all that knowledge dropped on you by hate it I'm definitely pretty curious about this whole surge wielding world ending event mm. like for uh. For me, that probably is slightly more important than me finding, like, Tap, who I am actually pretty keen on finding, um, and my mm. family and stuff. Because if the world ends, I'll never see my family. Alright. Mm. For, for, for me, I think it's, um, it's like fleshing out the character. Really excited to do backstory stuff. Um, and, and I think that's going to dictate a lot of where I go um, and who I follow and that sort of stuff because I'm yet to sort of test out the idea that I have of Banffor's backstory. Um, so it's it's handy playing a chaotic character, because I'm essentially a leaf in the wind. Um, the world happens around him. Um, and so that's kind of lends itself to not knowing or not at least caring what's going to happen. Um, so as long as, you know, there's things to beat to death and other things to snort and, you know some some moderate moral value to find I'm happy that is the bonus with Marley's backstory already being sorted 
Mm. Uh, see the Patreon bonus episode. Uh, <laughs> become a Patreon and see Marley's backstory. <laughs> um, yeah, Josh, what do you think is going to happen next? Well, it's a good question because there's been... Because you kind of got a whole lot of quests dropped on you by Haydet. Yeah, it's pretty much like when you're playing the game and then you first explore the world and then suddenly your main quest menu is suddenly full to the yeah. brim. Yeah. So we've got, there's a lot to do, there's a lot going on and we've all got stuff that we need to explore on a personal level for the characters. Um, so what happened at the end of the last episode was kind of like, it's like the White Walkers in, in Thrones. It's like this big thing that we're going to have to deal with but maybe not immediately. Um, so as long as we can just like quietly um, explore our own paths and do that together uh, and keep the dynamic between yeah. us, then well, so, I'm not too fussed. Because um, we, so we the, do know the world is ending any day now, yeah. apparently. Yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah, the world where it was found. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah well, what Haydet told you was that um, typically, yeah, if a wielder isn't found before the surge arrives, the world is essentially destroyed. Yeah. Mm. Um, and you were told there were three wielders, one who's been looked for in the south, one who's currently in the far, far northern area, or far northern part of Airedale, mm. so a few weeks away from where you guys are, like maybe a week and a half or two weeks on foot. Um, but the third one is is found. Yeah. But by the Empress of Arkvale. Yeah. So you're kind of like... Well. And is, you're like, is it's the world going to be destroyed, or is it going to be saved by all of this power going to this yeah. one person? Because the Empress of Arkdale is near us, right? Arkvale, no. Uh, oh, you don't you don't know her position, but oh. Arkvale City, the heart of the Empire, is very far away. Okay. Cool. We, which I is, just remembered yeah. there was one that was near-ish us, so that must be the Airedale one. That they yeah. haven't found yet. The Airedale one, who, who's not being found by anyone who knows that wielders are a thing. Yeah. Is, um... And it's, and it's obviously metagaming for me to... I, I'm in Brad's other campaign, by the way, uh, anybody listening to this. Um, so it's obviously metagaming for me to know that my party is on the yeah. surge to the other one. Yeah, Jules, Jules's other group is <laughs> on, heading south towards uh, one of these three wielders. That, yeah. That's their mission. Yeah, and it's actually really hard, can I just say, for me to be playing both parties in the same world, for me to remember what knowledge I'm supposed to remember. Like... Remembering what oh. I don't know. I can kill off one of your characters. No, 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 don't do that. Just to make it because, easier for you. Because I love Sasha Torchwood, and if you kill my dragonborn who can now fly and shoot fireballs, I will actually murder you. She's not a dragonborn. She's, she's got dragon ancestry. Sorcerer. With she's got dragon blood. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's it. Yes. That's, that's all the questions. <laughs> that's all the questions that. Uh, yeah, cool. Got that. That was a swift 30 minutes. Uh, oh, I see, I see. I hope it's this, I an hope hour and 42 minutes. <laughs> I see it at the beginning. I hope we can get at least 30 minutes out of this. We've so done that. We sure did. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think we can cut some of that. Like oh, this yeah. part. Yeah. We can probably cut this part. Yep. I don't know. You this can stop recording good. now. Okay, cool. This is pretty good. I don't know, man. All right. Stop. <laughs>
Um, as always, thank you so much to our amazing Patreon donors, uh, Alex White Robinson, person who wants to stay anonymous, Robert Baldino, and Irene Cucci. Uh, we really love and appreciate all the incredible support and love that you give us, including your shares on Facebook and Twitter, uh, and just all the messages and emails that we get from you guys. We really, uh, we really feel loved by you, and we appreciate it. All right, D and Brad out. We'll see you next time for the beginning of Chapter 2.